If you are able, would you please stand with me out of respect for God's Word as we read out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Sean, I'll pass it off to you. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Church, hear the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Sean. Pray with me one more time before we jump into the text. Father, I do thank you for this opportunity this morning to come and to look at your word, this, uh, this story that has been given to us, that has literally been read for thousands of years, year after year, as we focus upon um, this beautiful moment when you entered into this world. Lord, as we move forward this morning, I, I know that there's a lot of distractions. Lord, there's, there's all kinds of plans that we have for later this day and tomorrow. Some of us may be hitting the road to go travel. Um, so I know there's lots of potential distractions. I know that there's all kinds of excitement for presence and being together. But Lord, I also recognize that there's, there's the distractions too of just those that this isn't a super exciting season. This is the first year that some have experienced Christmas with someone that, they, that, they, that they've lost, uh, that, they, that they've known that they've lost. And so we pray, Lord, for them. Ask that you would just give them comfort this morning. Father, for those that are experiencing other trials and challenges, Father, would you give them comfort this morning? But Father, in the next couple moments as we focus for all of us, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of where we find ourselves, regardless of what it is that we've got going on in our lives, may you, by your Spirit, help our eyes to be open to see your Son, to see Him more clearly. Lord, that that we might be drawn more deeply to him and into a relationship and a walk with him. And so, Lord, we give this time to you. Um, pray that you would give us your help, um, guide us, lead us by your spirit into truth. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So um, many of us, we hear these, this sermon, we hear this message, and this, uh, this uh, verses read year after year after year. And, you know, we come to the time when the wise men, they come into Jerusalem and, and we talk a lot about the wise men. And the reality is we don't know a lot about the wise men. 
Um, more than likely, it wasn't just three of them that came on camels. Um, there was probably a, a large caravan of people that were coming, likely from somewhere like Assyria or Babylon, because um, if you remember, or if you're familiar, maybe you're not, but the Jewish people had been exiled in those places for years. If you remember stories like Daniel in the lion's den, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the, and the fiery furnace, and, and they were there, and they had some people in those places had heard about this Messiah, these kings, and so it's likely that even years after the people of Israel had returned back to Jerusalem, some of that still was there. And that some of those people, astrologers, had remembered those things and seen a star and as a result um, come to Jerusalem to look for this king that was to, um, to show up in Israel. Now, and when we think about that, we think, man, this is really good news. But for those people in that day, at least for a lot of them, it probably wouldn't have been all that exciting. It certainly would have been potentially nerve-wracking for a lot of reasons. But two, really in particular, one, they are in Rome. And it's not usually a good thing underneath the emperor of Rome to declare that a king has been born. Now, that's not a good thing. Like Roman emperors don't tend to like other kings being excited, people being excited about other kings taking authority and taking the throne. But we also see Herod. And even in this text that we read this morning, Herod is troubled. Because again, even Herod recognizes like, oh, there's a king. And he's not excited about the king being born because he doesn't want to lose his power either. And so the people of Israel seem to be troubled as well, and likely because they know that some of these powers may react very negatively. But what happens in this story, and what happens in history, is Herod um, then gathers together people, and, or the wise men gather together people to kind of talk about like what's going on, and we see this prophecy read by the priests and the scribes about the king to be born. And I want us to look at it again, because this is where we're going to focus our time this morning. It's Matthew chapter 2, which we read, verse 6. And this prophecy says this, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They point to Bethlehem. And the characteristic of this foretold king is going to be that he is going to be the shepherd of God's people. I find that interesting. A shepherd of all the descriptions that God could have used to describe the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the Christ, the birth of the one to come, is a shepherd. And that's what I want us to look at this morning, is that term, what a shepherd is, and what it means for us, even today, for Jesus to be seen as the shepherd of his people. And so that as we leave this space today, and we go to all the things that we're doing, and we unwrap all the presents, and we spend time together, that we're mindful of Jesus as our shepherd. Now, kids, let me ask you a question. How many of you have seen a sheep? Raise your hand. I mean, it doesn't just be kids. Adults, you can raise your hands too. Like, how many of you have seen a sheep? All right. Uh, now, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever spent time talking to a shepherd? Yeah, the hands kind of drop, right? There's a few of you that may have known a shepherd. You've talked to some shepherds. But the reality of it is, when we see sheep, they're usually in places like petting zoos. Uh, and we don't really think about what it is and what it would look like to have shepherds. And we don't spend much of our time thinking about shepherds. In fact, I can tell you right now, that in the 365 days of the year, there's really like three that the term shepherd ever comes out of my mouth, and it's during this season. 
Because we live, even though we're an agricultural kind of society in Kansas, we live in Kansas in 2023, and there's not a lot of like sheep herds. I'm not even sure if that's what you call them, but sheep running around our, our, our town and not a lot of shepherds. And so when we think of this idea, like it's easy for us to think like, I don't really know what that means. I don't really know what that looks like. And so we're going to start this morning by thinking about what it would be like to be a shepherd and what it means to be a shepherd. And so I want to take us back in time as we think about their job and their life and the characteristics of what a shepherd was. And I want to start by taking us actually to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, to Israel. What you see on the screen up here, this is an actual picture of, uh, that I took in Israel several years ago. And this is a picture of what is known as the shepherd's fields. All right, so kids, for you, if you're thinking about shepherds and you think about the story when the shepherds saw the angels, it would have been potentially in these fields. Now, these fields are between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And we think when we read the scriptures sometimes that that's really far away. It's not. It's like five miles. So think like here, straight down Rock Road to Town East. That's the distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And to get to Bethlehem from Jerusalem, you would have walked through these shepherds' fields. Now, these fields are unique because in those days when Herod was around and the wise men were coming and the shepherds were out in the field, these fields were used by the shepherds of the temple. And so what that meant was the priests of the temple, they knew that people would come to sacrifice during Passovers and during times of worship. And so they would have um, sheep available for people to buy to sacrifice. And they would have shepherds out in these fields that were taking care of the temple's sheep. And so there were probably thousands of these sheep out in fields like this. And you think about what it would have been like, even as the wise men went from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, they would have been walking through these fields after they've just heard about the shepherd that's going to be coming. And so I want us to think, what does a shepherd do in these fields? Well, a good shepherd is one who keeps careful watch on the sheep. As they wander around these fields, as they wander around the fields of Jerusalem and they graze the land, the shepherd watches them. They, they keep watch on them. They care for them. They protect them. They make sure they don't get too far. They make sure that the sheep don't get lost, which is a real problem because sheep are naturally curious. They tend to wander away where it isn't safe, away from the flock, away from those that might want to protect them. And listen, we know that sheep are not the most resourceful animals, so they need shepherds to guide them. They need shepherds to manage them. In the day, these shepherds, again, would make sure that they don't wander off. If the sheep wander off, if they get hurt, the shepherd was there to pick them up and take care of them, to bind them up. To, to, if they get sick or they get into something that makes them ill, the shepherd is there to take care of them. And then at night, the shepherds gather the sheep into folds. Uh, and so, so what these look like, I actually have another picture from the time in Israel. They look like this. This is my daughter, Samantha. And, and you see the little cave back there. This is a little area that's surrounded by rocks. And the, sh the shepherds would bring the sheep into these little folds. And the sheep would kind of stay in this little cave. And then at night, the shepherd, like my daughter Sam, would lay across the entrance of this area to protect the sheep from getting away 
and or from lions or wolves coming into the fold to get the sheep. And so even at night, a good shepherd was literally laying himself down to protect the sheep, to keep them safe. And this is what a shepherd did. This is what they, this is, they always spent their life caring for the sheep. Sheep that, in this case, oftentimes aren't even their own sheep. Now, imagine if the owner of these sheep hires a bad shepherd. Imagine if the temple priests go and they, they hire a shepherd and that shepherd tends or shows, shows up or tends to be a bad shepherd. What does that really mean? Well, somebody who's not going to care for the sheep. Someone who's probably mostly concerned about caring for themselves. A bad shepherd's going to let the sheep wander off. A bad shepherd's going to let the, fee, the sheep get lost. He's not going to care for them. He's not going to seek them out if they get lost. If they get hurt, he's not going to be worried about binding them up or, or taking care of their wounds. If they get sick, a bad shepherd's not going to care about um, nursing them back to health. A bad shepherd isn't going to lay out in the cold in the rain across the door to protect the sheep. A bad shepherd's going to go underneath the cave himself. This is what a bad shepherd would do. You wouldn't want a bad shepherd over your sheep. But the truth is, this is exactly the type of situation that Jesus enters into. God's people had always needed a shepherd. They'd always needed people to guide them because they were like sheep, which we're going to talk about later. We're going to talk about the reality that we're all like sheep. But it was supposed to be godly kings, godly religious leaders that would lead the people um, to God, lead the people towards God, would help protect them and care for them, and, and by God's grace, would help guide the sheep of Israel towards the Father. But more often than not, if you know the Old Testament, what ended up happening was the people got bad kings, kings like Herod, kings that didn't care, kings that epitomized the idea of a bad shepherd, leaders who don't care about the people, People who are, are the kings that are depraved and uncaring, they rule with force and harshness. They desire to kill anyone or anything that threatens their own power. Herod wasn't leading God's people towards God. He wasn't leading God's people towards safe pastures. He was about maintaining his own power. All of that was what he was worried about the most, his own concerns. And at worst, he was actually leading them away from the Lord. We read out all throughout the Old Testament Bad shepherds, bad kings who led the people to worship other gods like Baal and Ashtoreth and all of these other gods. And it wasn't just the kings, it was the religious leaders as well. The religious leaders were supposed to lead people towards God, care for the sheep. But again, we see throughout the Old Testament that religious leaders often led the people of God away from Yahweh, the one true God. In fact, we see it in Jesus as Jesus comes and he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees. Kids, you'll remember and you'll know that if you read about Jesus, he's constantly talking to the religious leaders and kind of calling them out, saying like, like you put up barriers between me, between God and the people. And you don't care about the people that are sinning and the people that are experiencing brokenness and hurt. You don't go to them. You're too worried about your own luxury and your own power and your own holiness. And Jesus even sees this. Herod and the religious leaders of that day, they're only a picture of the reality that 
all of us are similarly underneath bad shepherds, that we have bad shepherds. Now, if you've been in the church very long, you likely know that we as people, as I already mentioned once in this time, are oftentimes referred to as people that are like sheep. That comes out of places like Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord, or Yahweh, has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Like, this is important, isn't it? Because this reminds us we're not capable of leading ourselves. Like, that's the thing about sheep, right? Like, sheep, if you get around them, and I've not spent a ton of time, so this is by me talking and knowing and reading about people that have been, but sheep don't seem to be the most intelligent of beings. They kind of just keep their heads down and munch their way into all kinds of challenges and difficulty unless someone's taking care of them. They don't really worry about what's down the road or what dangers they might get themselves into. They just kind of are naturally drawn to go astray from wherever it is that they're being asked to stay. That sounds a little bit like us, doesn't it? Like just kind of meandering our way through the world, just kind of following our flesh, and and you move from one little clump of grass to the next, just munching yourself into all kinds of challenges. This is the reality for every single one of us. But The Old Testament goes on and doesn't only call us sheep, but also reminds us that there's bad shepherds over those sheep. So Jeremiah chapter 50 says this, my people have been lost sheep. Why are we lost? Because we munched our way away from safety. And we just kind of meandered our way away. And so we're lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. There's those bad shepherds. Turning them away on the mountains From mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. They've forgotten their fold. The shepherds of God's people had led the people astray. These are the kings and the religious leaders. But in a similar way, Scripture tells us that not only are we like sheep being led by our own flesh and our own desires to unsafe places, but there's an enemy that would also desire to lead us astray to keep us from the fold, to keep us from actually understanding where we belong and that there's a true God and a good shepherd that wants to lead us to good pastures, and that is Satan. And it's important for us in this season to be reminded that Satan desires, his desires are different than God's desires. He desires to keep us wounded, not to bind us. He desires to keep us lost, not to help us be found. He desires to keep us weak, not to strengthen us. He desires to keep us sick, not to help us find healing. In fact, he would desire to even see us be devoured. And so the enemy doesn't want the shepherd to come. He doesn't want a shepherd king. In the same way that Herod was threatened, Satan also is threatened. Some of you remember our sermon series on the book of Revelation, and in that one vision where we see the woman about to give birth to the baby, there's this giant dragon about to eat the baby. Like, that's kind of Christmas Eve. He doesn't want the shepherd king. 
Because he knows what the shepherd king is coming to do, and he hates the shepherd king. And Herod is a perfect picture of that, because you know the story that Herod, after the wise men don't go back, ends up trying to kill all the kids around Bethlehem, hoping that he just gets the Messiah, just hoping that he gets the king. And so Herod, like Satan, they don't want the shepherd king. They want to destroy him. They want to stop him. Now, most of us, in our lives, like we're not thinking about who's guiding us, are we? And we're not thinking about the reality that we're leading ourselves on all kinds of negative paths. We're not thinking about the reality that there is a bad shepherd that wants to lead us into bad spaces. And so we just wander around the fields of life, wander around the fields of this world, running after all kinds of things that we think are going to help us and give us life. We chase after whatever it is that we think is going to taste good, whatever it is that we think is going to satisfy our hearts. And the whole time, the bad shepherd just sits back and lets us be scattered. But brothers and sisters, old and young, so the oldest believer in this room and you, the youngest kids in this space, Christmas is about recognizing that there is a bad shepherd. There's a bad shepherd that doesn't want our good. There's a bad shepherd that doesn't care about us. There's a bad shepherd that lies to us, that wants to leave us hurting. It's about recognizing that they, our own tendency to kind of wander away. But it's most importantly, Christmas is about recognizing we don't have to stay under the care of a bad shepherd. There's a good shepherd. There's a good shepherd that came, and we can have a good shepherd. When the people of Jerusalem heard the priests talk about the shepherd, so we read in, in chapter 2, verse 6, about the shepherd king that's going to come. That, that's not just an analogy or a metaphor that they just made up out of nowhere. Like that is a specific communication out of the Old Testament. And I want to read for us out of Ezekiel chapter 34 what the good shepherd was going to actually do and what he was going to come and accomplish. So look at Ezekiel chapter 34, starting in verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and seek them out. Did you see what's happening there? He's saying like the bad shepherds have let you get scattered. They're not doing a good job. The one that, 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 that's there, like, like they're just scattering all over the place. So I myself, I'm going to come out into the fields and I'm going to seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them. I love this term, and we're going to talk about it. I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. So in the worst of days, he comes to find his sheep. Not when it's sunny and 70, when it's a day like today when you came in this morning, like he goes out into the field and gets wet and muddy and looks for us. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land 
there they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pastures. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I just get this picture. Like you're a, you're a sheep wandering around and you haven't found good pasture. You've been looking for it, but you haven't found good pasture. In fact, the things that you've actually eaten have made you sick. And you're out there and you're scared and you're alone and you're terrified and you're anxious and you're fearful. And, and, and he's saying, like, I, I'm, I'm going to bring you to good pasture. I'm going to let you lay down and I'm going to feed you. And you don't have to worry about it anymore. And he goes on, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. And I love this part. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. I would encourage you as families to read Ezekiel 34 tomorrow morning. It is a beautiful text. It is a wonderful picture of what the baby in the manger came to do. What he was going to accomplish. Not just, not just for anybody, right? Not just good people, but wandering, lost, sick, broken, bloody sheep. Like that's who he came to do this for. Like he came for those sheep. He's searching, and he's here, remember the word, to rescue us. To rescue us. It's a great word. He's coming to rescue us out of trouble. Rescue us away from insecurity and the danger that we have wandered into. The things that we have come, the, 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 the consequences of our own sin and our own desires and our own flesh. He's come to rescue us from that. But he's also come to rescue us from a really bad shepherd. Jesus is going to feed us, satisfy us in a way that only he can. He wants to provide rest for us. He wants to restore us to pastures that are good and safe. He wants to bind us up in our wounds and strengthen us when we're weak. And we're going to see in a moment a beautiful promise that he gives us to all. This is our shepherd. When I think about this text, I, I, it's, I can't help but like think of my own life. And, and I kind of have this picture of myself and, and in my mind of like how I was before I knew Jesus. And I was like that wandering sheep kind of out there looking for all kinds of satisfaction and all kinds of joy and peace. I mean, there were some fun seasons during that, but it always left. And I always found myself in a place where I was like, I, I feel anxious and I feel afraid and I feel like I'm alone and I feel like I need something else. Like, like this is a good picture, I think, for all of us before we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we're just wandering around trying to fill our lives with anything that we can and when it starts to rain, we look up and we find we're all alone out in the middle of nowhere. It's a perfect picture of what it is when we need to meet Jesus. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate in your own past to what it was like when you were just a sheep wandering around in this world. Maybe you can be reminded of that and think about what life was before you met the good shepherd. Maybe you're here this morning and that's how you feel. You feel like you're just wandering. You feel like you don't have any guidance. You feel like you've gotten yourself into all kinds of places that you're weak and you're broken and you need to be bound up and you're sick and you feel all of this. Like, Jesus came to accomplish that. And Christmas is a moment every single year 
not to open just up presents. That's super fun. But Christmas is a time that points to the Good Shepherd and reminds us of the Good Shepherd. And so what can you do this morning as a sheep? As a sheep that he came to rescue? Well, a couple things, and I want to call this kind of a Christmas calling because um, as the shepherd has come, he is calling us, and he came to seek and to save, and he came so that we would respond ultimately to what it is that he's done. And I think the first thing that we need to do is to cry out to him. You know, when a sheep is lost, when a sheep is hurt, when a sheep is scared, what does it do? It bleats. It cries. You know why? Because that's the only thing a sheep can do. Like sheep don't have sharp teeth. They don't have claws. They're not very smart. They don't have instincts like a bird where they can fly themselves back home. Like when they find themselves stuck on a cliff, they don't have anything to do but bleed out and cry. Like they just, they'll just stop and they'll just start bleeding. And so this is us. This should be us. Maybe you're a believer this morning. Maybe you already put your faith in Jesus, but you've wandered away from the shepherd. And you find yourself out somewhere, and you're experiencing pain and difficulty and challenge. Listen, cry out to him. Cry out. Cry out in your pain. Cry out in your fear. Just cry out to Jesus. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus at all. Maybe you don't want to be under the care of the bad shepherd anymore. This morning is an opportunity for you to cry out. Maybe you realize that the freedom to wander around and do whatever you want doesn't actually fulfill the promises that it makes to you. Man, it looks great. I'm just going to leave this field, the one that we pictured up there. I'm going to leave that field. I'm going to go find another field. And man, the grass is going to be greener over there. And I'm going to be able to find a great place to lay down and a great river to, to, to lay next to and drink out of and great things to eat. And you've realized that promise hasn't been fulfilled. Like you're not able to find it. Maybe the idea of just wandering freely isn't the best after all. See, the world and the bad shepherd, they would love to promise you. Like, you, you go be you. Just chase the desires of your life. It doesn't work. At the end of the day, you don't actually have this. If you go be you, you're going to find yourself like a sheep out in the middle of nowhere, alone, broken and lost and sick. Jesus said, he's the good shepherd. He says this in John chapter 10. He says he came to seek and save us, to rescue us. His ears are inclined to any who would just simply humble themselves and cry out, Jesus, I need you. He will rescue. He will rescue us. You know what I love about Jesus? If you're one of those sheep that you've wandered out and you've done what you've wanted to do, and you've tried to live your life the way you want to live your life, and you've made all kinds of mess, and you're sitting on the edge of that cliff, and you've got a broken leg, and you're bleeding, and it's raining, and, and, and you're just bleeding out and crying, and Jesus comes to rescue. You know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't sit there and be like, oh, you stupid sheep. That's what I'd do. I'd be like, man, you made me come out here in the rain. You made me come out here to save you, you, you dumb sheep. Now, Jesus doesn't do that. He just picks us up and rescues us. 
Ain't that awesome? Like we find ourselves in our own mess, and Jesus just comes and rescues us. And as he takes us back to his fold, and get this, as he takes us back to his fold, and he binds us up, and he rescues us, and there we are with the shepherd, and the bad shepherd comes and says, hey, that's not your sheep, that's my sheep. Jesus says, no, actually, I paid for this one with my blood. You can't have him back. Like, you're the bad shepherd. You didn't care that he was out there sick. You didn't care that he was out there broken. Like, I, I paid for this one with my blood. This is the good shepherd. This is what he's come to do. This is what he's come to lead us out of. He wants to rescue us. And when we find ourselves in that place, we just don't know what else to do, cry out to Jesus. Jesus, I can't shepherd myself. I can't trust the world. I can't trust my desires. Jesus, I'm hurting. Jesus, I'm lost. Jesus, I'm sick. Jesus, I'm confused. I don't know where to go. I don't know what it means to follow you, but man, I just, I need help. It starts there. It starts with a cry. And brothers and sisters, regardless of where you find yourself and those who don't know Jesus, start crying and don't Stop crying until he comes. He will incline his ear to you. Second, in this calling, once he comes, you have to let him shepherd you. Don't fight him. Don't tell him he doesn't know what he's doing. Let him shepherd you. And you can do that by staying close to him. That's the question. Is that your goal today? To be close to him? To just be close to the shepherd? Like, is that your goal tomorrow when you get together with your friends and your family and you start to, to unwrap all those presents and do all that fun stuff? Is your goal to stay close to the shepherd? By being in his word, you can remain close. By being steadfast in prayer, you can remain close. By being obedient to what he's called you to do, you can remain close. Brothers and sisters, our goal should be to remain close to the shepherd. But isn't it true that a lot of us, what we do is... We get into the shepherd's fold and he heals us and he binds us up and then we stop trying to stay close. Right? We just start munching again and we just start wandering away from the one that just saved us. Stay close to the shepherd. You may think you can go back out into the fields now that you've been bound and be okay. You can't. You have to stay close to the shepherd. Let him shepherd you. Remain close. Learn to listen to his voice. Learn to hear his voice. Learn to rest in his provision and his care. Learn that he will lead you if you let him. That he will protect you. Stay close to him. Make that be the goal tomorrow. Tomorrow when you get together, make that be the goal of everything you do is to stay close to him. And finally, give thanks to him. If you've experienced what it's like to be under the care of the good shepherd this Christmas, give thanks to him. As I said before, as one of those lost sheep, I know how he rescued me. 
I know he rescued me from this desire to, to find my value in men and the praise of men. I know he rescued me from bitterness and impatience and pride and all kinds of things. He rescued me from making all kinds of bad decisions in my life. Like, he rescued me. I know how he rescued me. And it is good to be in the care of the good shepherd, amen? And if you've been in the care of the good shepherd, you know the difference between being out in the fields by yourself or under the care of the bad shepherd versus being with him. And so this Christmas, give thanks to him. I'm guessing that many of you know and think about how he's rescued from you from this world, how he's rescued you from, this, from the enemy, how he's rescued you from yourself and your own desires. You know how he's bound you up. You know how he's begun to heal you. And I say begun because it's a process, Right? Jesus came for this, and it's what he does for all who come to him. And so we should not only give thanks because he's come to save us when we were not his, but we give thanks because he's also made a promise to us, amen? I want to close with a promise out of Ezekiel 34, again, why I would encourage you to read it, and it's a promise that we need to be mindful of and keep in front of us, even as we celebrate Christmas And I think that as I read this section of Ezekiel 34, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, many of these promises are going to ring true for you. You're going to see them in your own life. And if you don't know Christ, I want you to think about whether or not this kind of a shepherd is somebody you actually should try to avoid or someone you should run to and cry out to. Kids, I just close with this and say this to you. Christmas is so much fun. Like presents and toys, your mom and dad letting you eat way more sugar than any other time would, right? It is worth, it's such a fun time. But as you celebrate tomorrow and you get to experience all that fun stuff and get to enjoy all of those good things, I don't want you to forget the promise that Jesus is making for you. The promise of of what he's come to do and how he's come to rescue you. And so here, Ezekiel 34 Verse 25 through 30. I will make with them a covenant of peace. A promise. A promise of peace. And banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And so, remember... We're sheep and we're scattered out in the world. And man, there are all kinds of wild beasts that are looking to devour us all the time. And he's saying, someday I'm going to take all those beasts, I'm going to send them out. They won't be there anymore. He's going to make us dwell secure. And he's going to make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am Yahweh. That's his name. That's what it means when you see that. Lord with all capitals. When I break the bars of their yoke, their slavery, and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. See, this is, the, this, is, this is the bad shepherd, right? He enslaved us, and Jesus came to deliver us from that. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. 
And I will provide for them renowned plantations so they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am Yahweh, their God with them. Does that sound familiar? Emmanuel, God with us. And that they, the house of Israel, that's all who put their faith in Jesus, are my people, declares the Lord Yahweh. Like this is the promise You may put your faith in Jesus and you still experience suffering and pain and hardship and trials in this world, but brothers and sisters, is it not true that the coming of Jesus the first time is only something that points to his coming another time? And when he comes the second time, all of it Everything that brings about our fear, everything that makes us unsatisfied in this world, everything that causes challenges, the sin, all of that goes away. And he gives us an inheritance, safe pastures that will never again be tainted by sin or fear or anxiety or being bound, need, the need to be bound up or sickness or any of that stuff. This is the promise of Christmas. This is the promise of Christmas. I'm going to close our time this morning with communion. Because as we will be reminded again tonight, Christmas isn't Christmas without the cross. Right? Christmas isn't Christmas without the empty tomb. Like, we're not here if Jesus doesn't finish the work he came to do and go to the cross and raise from the dead. Because of the work on the cross, when the bad shepherd comes and says, give me back my sheep, Jesus says, no, I paid for them. I redeemed them with my blood. And so I want you to take out your communion elements this morning, on this Christmas Eve morning. And if you didn't grab one of those on your way in, go ahead and raise your hand up. Like, we're going to pass those around. And here's what I want us to do. I want to do this a little bit different than we normally do. And I want to actually invite you to stand with me. Go ahead. You stand up. We're going we're gonna to do communion together. Um, and, and so here's what I want to encourage you to do. I'm not going to lead the communion moment. I'm going to let you do communion together. So that we can be reminded that we're not alone as sheep. Like we're all like sheep who have gone astray. And the shepherd that came on Christmas came to not just save an individual, but to save a people for himself. And we sometimes need to be reminded of that, right? And be reminded that that the hope we have in Christ isn't one that's just for us, but it's one for all who would put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm gonna encourage you here in just a minute to gather together with your family. And maybe you're here alone this morning and you didn't come, like if, if you see someone else that's sitting alone, um, I'm gonna invite them, say, hey, come over here with us. Like we wanna do communion together because we wanna be reminded of the work of Jesus for all of us this morning. I want you to, to, to together, just someone in your little group lead out communion. And here's all you do. Just lead your group in prayer, thanking Jesus for what he has done. That's part of the calling of what this all is all about. We thank God for the work that he has done in Jesus, our good shepherd. And then just lead in the taking of the bread. Remember, the bread is just represents the body of Christ that's broken for us. 
And then lead in the taking of the juice. And remember that the juice is the blood of Christ spilled for us. But I want us to do it together. To do it together with our families and our friends. And, and again, gather with someone else around. So go ahead and get into those groups. And, and go ahead and just take communion together with one another. And then I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then we're going to close in um, uh, one more song as we go out this morning. So go ahead and gather together groups in just a couple minutes. I'm going to um, close us in prayer. Well, join me in prayer. So I read one more time, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Lord Jesus, this morning, as we end our time, we end it with a time reminded that you, you came to rescue us, to lead us, to guide us, and you did it through the unbelievable sacrifice of going to the cross and pouring out your blood to redeem the sheep, to redeem any sheep who would cry out to you, And we do this together because we're reminded that we're all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of the hope of a shepherd. And the beauty of it is, is that your blood is so precious. The gift is so valuable. It is so precious that it has enough value to redeem millions of people. Millions of lost sheep from the worst sinners, from murderers to liars and thieves and self-righteous everything. Father, your blood by your Son is sufficient to redeem. So we thank you this morning. And I pray that as we close our time with this uh, one more song, Lord, I pray that you would hear the praises of your people, that you would help us to go out this morning with a heart of praise and a heart to proclaim the good shepherd who has come. Help our eyes to see, Father God. Now be honored by our voices in your name. Amen.